Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural codes and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Off Code. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Kevin Briggins, and we have another great show for you guys today. I'm really I'm excited about this topic because it's something that has been in the news all week long. So how about you, Mo? Yeah, I'm excited for it too. Um, looking at the miseducation, uh, not the miseducation of the Negro, but just a lot of misconceptions around this conversation of education in Florida and black education in particular. Um, one of the things that DeSantis, the governor down in Florida is doing is pushing a curriculum that many people are saying is racist, is going to send us back a hundred years, is promoting slavery and all that. So we want to talk about that and figure out what is being pushed, what is being talked about, what does this curriculum entail? So that is what we're going to do. You want to lead us off? Yeah. So for those who haven't been tracking, the state of Florida released their curriculum and it is um, their social studies curriculum. And the section on African-American history, there is one controversial section within the whole curriculum. And uh, our vice president, Kamala Harris, recently went down to Florida and gave this speech that basically implied that the slave, that the curriculum was teaching that slavery was beneficial. Like there was some, like, there was some good element to slavery. And it caused a big storm because the vice president is down in Florida making this big speech. Well, it's been a lot of commentary on it all week long back and forth. So we just want to look at it for ourselves and examine what exactly does the curriculum teach? And is what people like the vice president saying actually true? So um, I believe it's on the screen now. So if you look at the curriculum, this is, this is the controversial part. It says, examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves, agricultural work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic um, services, blacksmithing, uh, transportation. All right. And then it says, um, introduction includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. That is the section that has everyone up and on about because it uses the word benefit. It says that some slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. And that has caused a meltdown. Um, but then I want to say the Democrat Party, but there were black Republicans doing the same thing, uh, melting down over this. And I can't understand why. I think the word benefit is throwing people off. Like you were, you mentioned when we, you know, before we started recording, you know, the word benefit is, you know, like there was a benefit to slavery, but I don't think that's what people are saying. They're saying that there was some benefit from the skills slaves received, garnered that they could use either during that time or post slavery. Now, what many people may not understand is that some slaves actually did hold jobs outside of slave labor. So some slaves could actually start their own business, selling fruit or working in a carpentry shop or by doing um, like sewing and seamstress work and things like that. So they, yes, my, my primary situation might've been that I was a slave, but I can also go and sell watermelons or go and do ironing or let people, you know, let me patch their clothes. I can, you know, tend to this person's horses or sell feed, something like that. Um, And so with the money that slaves would earn from their outside employment, usually a slave owner would take a cut And then the slave would keep the remainder from that remaining money that a slave would keep. They could buy their own freedom. 
they could continue after buying their freedom, continue in that line of employment and then buy the freedom of their relatives. And so that would be a benefit. I don't think what people are saying is that slavery itself was a benefit. You are 100% accurate. First of all, I want to say, you didn't have to say they could sell, they could have sold one another. We know where that could go. But. Well, yeah, I wasn't trying to, I was just, <laughs> strawberries, I don't know, oranges, I don't know. They can sell fruit, they can sell, I don't know. You know what I mean? I know, I know, I know. Greg, you are right. That is not what the curriculum is teaching, but that is what the opposition to the curriculum is saying, right? They're saying that the state of Florida's curriculum is saying slavery was beneficial. But any honest reading of that statement of that section, there's no way you can take that away from it because it is mainly talking about old slavery. It's talking about once slaves became free, the skills that they had acquired while in slavery, they then turned around and used those same skills for their own personal benefit, right? They started their own businesses. They were carpenters. They built out. They did all of these things from the steel they had acquired. And so there's, there shouldn't even be anything controversial about that statement because it's kind of just common sense. If you have a people group that's in slavery for 250 years, you're going to tell me over that 250 years, they didn't garner a single new skill. Mm-hmm. And once they were free, they didn't use any of those skills to build their lives post-slavery. It just makes no sense to even argue over this. this is not even something that is controversial. Like I said, people are getting hung up on the single word of benefit instead of reading what the statement actually said. And yeah. so, and so, yeah, I mean, people, I mean, I was really disappointed. I mean, there were black Republicans taking the side with Democrats and condemning this and talking about how, you know, um, Basically, we, it was trying to paint a brighter picture of slavery. It's like, that is not what this is doing, right? Um, I also find it very ironic that the same people that can say, our ancestors built this country, when being turned around and freak out over the idea that they had steel, where they gained steel that they used to build their own lives. How do they build the country if they didn't? It just, it just makes no sense. And so... My my biggest hangup this week has just been, I don't know, just wondering, just seeing how people react emotionally to things instead of examining them and making their own decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Chad Jackson actually did a live thing this week and he asked the question, are black people too emotional? And the, the, the where I landed was yes, because it's like we don't think. We simply get gaslit every time and we just go for it. Somebody says the word slavery, we freak out. You know, mm. somebody says the word racism, we freak out. You know, I think that I think that's a human thing. Um, and each culture or people group has their own triggers. Yeah, their own triggers that they jump into. Yeah. In regards to the curriculum, though, I wonder if a different approach to curriculum overall would be more helpful in this situation. And so in one of the things that I would love to see in regards to how we educate children in relation to history is instead of looking at this is history and then this is black history. Why not just look at this is American history. Black history is not a supplemental curriculum. Black people are not a supplement to the American infrastructure. We are American. And so for those who push this idea um, that race is a social construct, they also tend to push this idea that we need a specific black history. Well, I don't know that we can have it both ways. If race is a social construct, then why are we uplifting this idea of this black historic narrative? Why are we incorporating black history into the American infrastructure, the American historical record? I think that that could perhaps 
curb some of these conversations of now, you know, we need to look at how these people benefited, quote unquote, you know, from this particular social institution, you know, of slavery. Why not look at during this time, this is how people made their living. All like all people, like I can look at the Danish or I can look at the Dutch, I can look at the Germans, I can look at the Japanese. During this time in American history, how were people earning their living? What skills did they have? Different people groups have different different skills. I can look at that in today Absolutely. in America. We Absolutely. there are different people in different sectors of society, and you can look at those things even based on ethnic group a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's really key to point out about the different skills and different cultures. You now we talk about things like a Persian rug. You now the Persians were known for their you know rug making, and there are certain cultures in you know in the U.S. that were made for producing certain things. Um, I think that's a good approach to, especially the kind of not um, segregating out Black history apart from just the rest of American history. Um, because we don't really do it with any other demographic within the U.S., mm-hmm. right? I don't, I don't recall the class on Hispanic culture, or you know, it's just all, it's just kind of all taught within the context of American history until you get the Black history, and then it the separate type of entity. Um, but yeah, I do agree that it would be, I think it would be helpful if we did kind of because I looked at the whole curriculum. And because it is, it is in the context of the entire kind of social studies curriculum for the state of Florida, but the African American history section is its own kind of section within it. Um, it doesn't flow along with the rest of it. It's like you break away from the rest of American history. Okay, now here's African American, you know. And so I do think that adds to some of the issues. Um, also, think that this is just a. Uh, um, political opportunity, yeah. right? It's telling me something that wasn't a big deal, but they took an opportunity to politicize something and they jumped on it. And they've made something that isn't a big deal, a big deal. For instance, there are a, cause they must say, cause I think we're gonna read a statement about how, you know, they talk about how the slavery is, you know, they're trying to minimize slavery. They're trying to do all of these things well, the word slavery or slave in the curriculum is mentioned 191 times. 191 times is mentioned. And yet they want to single out this one instant and pretend as if this is the actual curriculum or that the curriculum is teaching that slavery was beneficial. But if you look at the 100, 190 references to slavery within the curriculum, there's no way you can come away with that conclusion. But they don't want you to. They don't want you to look into it. They don't want you to think. They just simply want you to be emotional off of this one claim they're making that it's a false claim. And because they can get emotional and talk really loud and passionately about it and, and wave their fists and all this stuff, people just fall for it. And it's and anybody with an ounce of, you know, kind of common sense who has looked at it would say, this isn't even accurate in what they're saying about the curriculum, you know? And so, yeah, so we got the NAACP president and he put out a statement on this. Um, let's see. Here's his statement. Today's action by the Florida state government are an attempt to bring our country back to a 19th century America where black life was not valued nor our rights protected. It is imperative that we understand that the that that the horrors of slavery and Jim Crow were a violation of human rights and represent the darkest period in American history. We refuse to go back. The NAACP has been fighting against malicious actors such as those within the DeSantis administration for over a century, and we're prepared to continue to fight by any means necessary. Our children deserve less than the don't deserve nothing less than the truth, justice, and equity. Our ancestors shed blood, sweat, and tears for it. All right, so that is the statement from the NAACP president. What in that curriculum mirrors that statement that they're trying to take us back to a point where black life was not valued or our, or our rights weren't protected? 
based on this this one bullet point in a curriculum. This is the um, be nice. This is the misleading type of rhetoric that is detrimental to the black community because we we tend to lean on these types of leaders, these types of organizations. And when they're feeding us nonsense and lies, it only holds us back because they're working towards a political end and they're working to push a political agenda and they're working to push black people as a crowd into a certain direction. They're hurting us. They're trying to hurt us this way. They and they're doing it by lying to us. And it's so manipulative. It frustrates me because they're manipulating people with, with, with straight lies. That is nothing but that is nothing but emotionalism based on a lie. That's it's, it's, it's simply there to arouse people's emotions, get people fearful, get people angry, but it's not based on any truth. It's not based on any fact. You know, it's telling like they're traveling bothering me to the state of Florida. It makes no sense. By the way, I just got back from the state of Florida. I survived. It, nothing bad happened to me. Uh, I didn't face any racism or no one tried to lynch me. So I, I don't I don't know why, you know, there's a travel advisor for black people to Florida, but the NAACP that need to be. So. Well, I'm glad that you are yet among the living. Yes. Um one of the things that that statement automatically made me think of is the tie back to history and the tie back to slavery. And so, yes, the, it's a slavery curriculum, but it also his his statement itself ties you and your emotions back to remember when the nation was unsafe. But so much of that same rhetoric in that statement we heard during 2020 when you know it was our nation is not safe for black people our nation is no no better than we were a hundred years ago we have not made significant racial progress and things like that and so when i think of or when i when i read his statement it is very much tied back to the like you're saying this emotional context of remember you're not safe Remember that, you know, there was a time in our history when you couldn't go outside and they were going to burn across in your yard. Remember, 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 instead of looking at, look at the, the, you can't look at the history. I am a, a person who now definitely believes that we should be looking at history. Like we need to know about America's history, the good and the bad, but I don't have to live from that place. My emotions don't have to be tied to history. I can look at the great parts of American history from any ethnic group and I can live in the present by keeping in this context, by keeping blacks tied to the negative emotions regarding history, slavery, Jim Crow, redlining and all of that. It creates a vacuum where the good that we have experienced and the future that we have is generally missed because we're constantly just repeating this history of I can't do that because of history. I can't do this because of history. History isn't necessarily impacting you and your future. This is a history. It was a messed up history. It was a crap history. Like, let's just be honest. Slavery was not good. And yet I am not a slave. I am not in fear of being lynched. And a curriculum that talks about how slaves used skills begotten in slavery, received in slavery, does not tie that curriculum to a modern day lynching. It doesn't. It doesn't. And um, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it because it is a constant. If you constantly tie your emotions to the past no matter how things change or no matter what progress you make, you never benefit from it. You never experience it because all of your emotions and your feelings are trapped in the past. You can't move forward. And so, and that's what I, that's what we see happening all the time to where when a police shooting happens, the emotional response is always back to lynching, right? They can't, 
bring themselves away from it to operate in the context of today. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a problem. It really is a problem. And there's a group of people who don't want black people to ever leave that plantation. Because it is a plantation. It, yeah, it is. It's sad. It is a plantation that they keep people on because it is a slavery of the mind. You are enslaved because your mind is, is enslaved. You are oppressed because in your mind you believe you are, right? And it hinders everything you try to do in life because you believe there are forces out there that are against you to keep you down simply because of the color of your skin. And that has an impact on people. And when they constantly tell you that, constantly tell you that, especially these young people, they grow up with all the opportunities in the world, but they believe that they don't because of the rhetoric they're constantly told to keep them on that plantation. So, Yes, and it, it becomes a very real fear. A very real, I don't know what I can, what if I get shot, I'm going to, you know, probably be the victim of, you know, some white on black racial crime, the police are going to get me and all of that when it's like, that actually may not be true. There's, and not to say that it's a hundred percent not true, but even just considering a doubt. People are like, well, it's racist. We can't talk about the, like, have you considered another viewpoint? And, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind right now is um, Maya Angelou's, um, oh, goodness, I don't remember the name of the the poem. It's not Phenomenal Woman. Um, It might be Phenomenal Woman, but she says something to the effect of, um, you may... You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may try me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Mm-hmm. There was a time in Black history when we actually had a viewpoint of ourselves of, I don't care what's been done. I'm still going to rise. Yeah. Today, the viewpoint is this is what's been done and I'm still like a ball and chain attached to me. I'm still attached and connected to this past that drags and weighs me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, I listened to an interview with one of the creators of the, the Florida curriculum. There was a black guy, black professor. He was one of the, I think it's 13 people on this committee that created this curriculum. And of course, he's defending the curriculum against these accusations. And he said something I thought was very important. He said, it is important that we learn the history from the people who went through it, from their own words, right? Uh, and not give them narratives that we place on them. Yes. And I thought that was really important because it is something to, when we read people from the past, when we read the people who actually went through these things, the way they express their feelings about it and their optimism or their hope or their lack of bitterness or whatever, how, how they view things was it's completely different as to how we try to place a narrative on them from looking from today backwards, right? We tend to victimize them more than they victimize themselves. Yes. Um, and, and, and when you read, you know, Booker T. Watson, you know, uh, from slavery, when you read a lot of these other narratives that slaves wrote, it is really contradictory to the modern day narrative of who they were. And I, and that's what the, that's what these people in the who created this for the curriculum is saying. They're saying, look, we took this from original sources. We took this from people saying, this is how I benefited and built my life with these skills that I had, that I learned, you know, and, and went on to be successful or did whatever. It's their own word. They're saying these things about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important that we, that we do history. We let the people who live through history tell the history. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like Maya Angelou and when you read, you know, people from you know, the early 1900s, it's, they had, they seem to have a more of a fighting spirit about themselves, mm-hmm. you know, um, and not fighting the system, not fighting against a man, but just a personal kind of 
esteem about themselves, that their circumstances didn't define them, mm-hmm. right? And and that seems to be lost in the current generation. That's lost in the current narrative of, oh, not even that you went through this, but because your ancestors went through this, therefore, this is what this means for you today. This is how, this is how that has hinders and affects you today. And it's all this ball and chain you can never get rid of, you know? Yeah. Hey, family, I wanted to take a minute and talk to you about Birmingham Theological Seminary. It's my seminary, and it's a place that I extremely appreciate. They have small class sizes, very reasonable tuition, and professors who are committed to your education and to my education. If you are looking to extend your theological education and are considering seminary, I encourage you to check out Birmingham Theological Seminary. You can go to bts.education for more information. One of the things that I wish would be would happen in any curriculum on history or social studies is that we would have, like I've already said, like a fuller narrative, but that fuller narrative would be offered to all the, the students. So uh, one of the things that Krista and I tend to talk about is how I knew a lot of Black history. I can still sing the Black National Anthem. She didn't know there was a Black National Anthem. When we siphon off history and we have, like if I'm at a predominantly white school, I don't know why any teacher would feel the need to teach black history if that isn't, you know, the the need of the students before her, but, or him. Um, But that's not necessarily the way to look at it either. We also must remember, like I said before, black history is American history and so, this idea that, you know, we are teaching black history to black students who then are, you know, now tethered to this, this idea of who they are, who they were and who their ancestors were and things like that. We have to remember that slavery is American history. And so is Redlining, so is Jim Crow, so it, so are, you know, Daniel Hell Williams and the first open heart surgery. So are, you know, so many awesome things that have happened by not just Black Americans, but Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans, Mexican Americans, you know, like there are many awesome things that have happened in our history too. And so we don't want to create a narrative where now black and brown children know black and brown history and you know white children know all of this other history and that that's how krista and i when we started talking about history that's how we came to to the table is you know she knew all of these things and i was like what in the world are you talking about i knew all of these things how do we create a more true framework so that all the kids can know the things that are pertinent to the the creation of our beautiful nation. It, it can't yeah. be off. No, and I think that's one of the, the, the things we're missing in the Florida curriculum. Because people are attacking this one bullet point, this one section, but you look at the whole curriculum, even though they do section out the African-American part, it is a pretty comprehensive review of American history. You know, all around. I mean, they go really... It, it is it is a really well done curriculum, um, and that's not being talked about enough because people mm-hmm. want to score political points over a single bullet point from a multiple page curriculum. And so, um, I think people are starting to understand. I, I, if there's any benefit that has come out of the last few years, not everything that's going on, it is the realization that we do need a broader understanding of history. A more in-depth understanding of history. Um, because what you and Crystal went through was just a microcosm of America as a whole. I mean, I had those same conversations with people who had no idea about black history or things that happened, especially in the like Crystal's not from the South. I have found people who aren't from the South, well, especially white people who aren't from the South, they really do lack an understanding of the things that really happened and that that issue. Um, because in their Illinois or Oregon school system, they didn't teach it, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, in the South, it's it's better because it's hard to get away from it to a degree, uh, especially because we had, because I'm from Alabama, we had Alabama State history. You can't have Alabama State history without all the things they did um, And so I think that's kind of how we got a broader view of it because we had American history, and all, but then we had to take out state history. One of the things I was also going to say, though, is on the other side of that, and, you know, you might hold, you know, hold your, hold, hold your, hold your pearls. Um, we can't say that everything, any teaching of the negative parts of history is critical race theory. Oh, that is true. You know, true. I, some people want to, and I'm just putting that out there for those who might be like, I don't want them teaching my kid critical race theory. <laughs> you know, we need to understand that history is history and yeah. history is not critical race theory. Those are two different things, two different subjects. Um, and so if someone is teaching an accurate narrative, we're not talking about a revisionist history, because that would be, um, I I would, and yeah, I would argue that that could be a praxis of critical race theory, that that could be an outworking of critical race theory to some degree, but accurate history, whether good or evil, is history. Yeah, And we don't want to shun the accurate teaching of history like there was this group um and I'm, i might be me- mixing it up a little bit i think it was a group in texas who didn't want the word slavery used in or slaves used in their curriculum yeah. what? what what you gonna call them like that don't make no sense um yeah here you go well, i was gonna say we can't hear the other side so much that it deters us from teaching what is true Yes. Yes. And and you are exactly right. I think because a lot of people say, okay, what's the difference? You know, if someone's teaching true history, they're teaching they're teaching facts, they're teaching dates, they're teaching times, they're going over um you know, original sources, they're letting people from that time period speak and reading things in that time period and they're doing it, it's they're talking about history. That is that is good teaching and history where the critical race theory comes into it is how the history is framed right is it is it always framed as an oppressor oppressed narratives right um and i think that thing that's kind of the difference in not whether because there are facts when people teach critical race theory, there are facts to the history they're teaching but it's the framework in which they package it in and present it um you shouldn't leave out of a history class mad at someone of a different race, right? Um, when 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 you got kids coming home and calling their parents racist because they're white or because they're conservative or whatever it may be, that that's not teaching history. That child is not indoctrinated into something, right? And so I think we, we, you know, the difference when you see it, but just the mention of slavery or, um, the, just the teaching on the subject itself cannot always be construed as teaching critical race theory or critical race theory. Cause nobody's teaching critical race theory. It can be construed as, um, like the praxis, the praxis of critical theory. Yes. Yeah. When you look at history, if it now brings you in the present into the back, you know, this is how, you know, this is impacting you today. Now, are there instances where some history will impact us today? Sure. But you as a person should not leave a history class. I would say feeling like I am less than I am. I am this. I am definitively this because of history. We can look at history as a set aside subject and say this is how people chose to participate, whether it was um, righteously or wickedly. And we yeah. can we can talk about oppression. We can talk about historical oppression. Historical oppression is real. We can talk about present day oppression, but we have to do so in ways that keep them in their containers and doesn't um, unnecessarily overlap does that make sense like just because black people were slaves you know in 1820 doesn't mean that i am oppressed as a black person today simply because we share the same color skin 
Yep, absolutely. Um, and I think when we so we talk we we, talk, we teach all types of fish here. That's not that's not good, right? You know, we teach the bombing of pearl harbor, right? I've never come out of a history lesson on Pearl Harbor hating Japanese people, mm. right? <laughs> um, or a history lesson on 9-11 and just thinking I need to hate Muslim, mm. right? Because when you're simply teaching the history, you're simply teaching the facts, it doesn't draw people's emotions to to that time period and to draw themselves into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a type of praxis where someone can teach history in a way that draws people's identities into it. I think that's the key too. Right? It draws your identity. Yeah, your present day identity gets drawn into the history and you identify yourself in it and you are stuck in it to it. Like we talked talking about earlier, stuck in history, right? Um, and so like this imagine we talked about the history of Japanese internment camps during World War II, right? And when we talked about it, Japanese people just identified themselves as internment camp, you know, people done wrong and that's their identity today and that's, they still, you know, believe got injustice and no, no one else does that. Mm-hmm. No one else does that. It gets done to us though. We can never it's, it's almost like we can't escape the past because of the way we're taught to place our identity in it. And that is, that is where the problem lies. Teach it all day. Become knowledgeable of it. Understand what our ancestors went through. Understand what they overcame. Mm-hmm. Understand the, the forces that oppressed them and that hindered them. Um, but we also need to understand how we as a nation have come a long way in that and not one side versus the other side. As a whole, we've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, and if we can't acknowledge that, there's something wrong, right? Um, and so I think all of this stuff is just, it's unfortunate because America really is, despite it falls in some ugly stuff, it really is a beautiful story and narrative of something that's never happened in in, in human history before. Mm-hmm. No other nation has been formed with this melting pot type of mentality where you have all of these different ethnicities and people groups coming together to try to form a single nation and live together. And and we know about human sin and the 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 um the propensity we have as human beings to you know, oppress one another and be tribal. And each time I throw all of these different people together and trying to make a single uniform nation happen, it is a miracle that we are here today. You know, working through all of these issues. And and when we look at that broader issue, issue that broader history, we do see that it wasn't just um, black people who had a, a a fight, you know, you see the Irish come in, they have their fight, you know, the Hispanics, um, the, the Polish, like, there were many different people groups who came in and had to find their way in this new country, in this new land. They faced obstacles, they faced oppression um, to various degrees. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't just all pretty for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And so when we look at that history and see where we are today, it really is a miracle that this great experiment it was called actually worked itself out, you know? Yeah. And it continues to work itself out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're taking ourselves backwards, but yeah, yeah, we're still on that path of working things out. Yeah. I was recently at the MLK Museum in Atlanta and I picked up a couple of books on history. Now, I I was there yesterday. Um and so I haven't gone through all of these books necessarily, but I do plan on going through them and um either doing some reviews or having some live stream conversations on them, but one of them we all know or we should know is Up from Slavery by Booker T Washington. Good. Um first port 
first person source um, and then a hundred African-Americans who shaped history. And so whether you agree or not with um, the person in here, these people have been influential in American history. And so, yeah, like, um, Benjamin E. Mays or Paul Robeson, Duke Ellington, Rosa Parks, but authors like Richard Wright. Um, man, I used to love Richard Wright. He was one of my favorite authors. He was actually the author who got me um, interested in reading Black authors. I first read his book, Native Son, when I was in seventh or eighth grade. And then a thousand and one things everyone should know about African-American history. Another good book. Now, I may not agree with all of the things or people in here, but these things are things that shaped our nation, just done by people with brown skin. The death of Emmett Till is in this book. That is a major event in American history, not African-American history, in American history. Um, Emmett Till was killed behind a lie. He was a 14-year-old Black boy who was killed behind a lie. And the woman who lied on him, he was drugged and shot and um, unrecognizable when they found him. The woman who lied about him actually just passed away, I think in 2020 or something like that. Um, but she later confessed that it was a lie. And there was a whole conversation on, should we arrest her, even though she's in her 70s or 80s and things like that. But that that lie shaped and, and shaped the conversation of race in our country. So another book that, again, you may not agree with everything, but it is important to understand that these are things that shaped our nation. And then um, his, the history of civil rights in America. Just what was that time? Um, and looking at not just the civil rights of African-Americans, but how civil rights impacted all people. What is it? What did it mean for people who may not bear um, brown skin? And so, um, yeah, it's just it. It's important, and not just because it's Black history. It's important because it's history. Um, one of the things that I want to do, Kevin, is find books on Native American history, on Korean American history, um, Japanese American history. Where are these books? Because again. This is not supplemental reading. When we when we choose to siphon off minority history into being supplemental curriculum, that says something. Yeah, uh, honey, we ain't a supplement. You know what I mean? Like we are American. We are as yeah. American as the Constitution. We are yeah. American, and yeah. so in in doing that, we need to make sure that we are actually understanding a correct vision or version of history. Go ahead. Yeah, I do want to say something too about kind of education history. When it comes to K through 12 in history, pretty much everything we learn is surface level, right? They hit some points and they move on. They don't teach really hardly anything in depth unless you may have to write a paper on something or you read a particular book that goes over something. But for the most part, K through 12 history is very surface level and on to the next thing. It is typically in college and, and other things where you kind of get in depth or your own personal studies. And so I think a lot of the ways we kind of get, I don't know, kind of conflated with some things is the fact that we need to understand that not just, you know, minority history is surface level. All history is surface level. You're not, we're not going super in depth into the American Revolution um, in K through 12. We're not going super in depth into, uh, you know, just all of these different movements and historical viewpoints because there's so much to cover and such little time. They're just hitting things and moving on. And so I think we have to remember that um, because I'm facing that now as we homeschool our kids. And we try to think, okay, what are the things that we need to go in depth on and how in depth do we need to go on certain things? Um, there's only so much time. There are multiple subjects. Now I think we can do a better job because we're homeschooling. We can put our own curriculum in it. We can really go in depth on some things. Uh, starting this year, I'm, I'm the girl's history teacher. So we'll see how that goes. 
Oh, uh, hey, you know what? Shalanda, uh, I was talking to Shalanda at camp and she she told me you guys are going to talk about South Africa. I'm going to send you guys some South African rand, some money. Do that. Do that. <laughs> that's I, that's I, what I love, I love about homeschool. Everything is an educational talking point. Yes. But see, here's the thing. I think in America, we can use some of these excuses of nothing's in depth. But why not? Why isn't it in depth? When I lived in South Africa, those kids in South Africa learned all about American history, all about their history. They had to know all of the every country in the world. Like, what is the name of every country? We played a game or playing a game, drive into somewhere far with some of my friends. And we did this game of you need to name a country and it's like capital. capital. Yeah. I was like, America and Washington, D.C. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, I like, who? who well, let's be honest. And, and how many people can name all 50 states? And then name all 50 cap state capitals. Like, we just suck. 50, nifty, <laughs> But, I mean, that is an American issue. It is. It really is. We need to figure out how to prioritize education, how to prioritize things like history. Because if you aren't aware of your history and the ills that have been done, you run the risk of repeating it. And I feel like to a large degree, what we're seeing in our nation right now regarding races are are repeat of history. Yes, it's just um, not, not not centered toward African Americans. Yes, um, I was talking to a friend today, and he was talking about how when twenty twenty happened, um, and a lot of black people started to kind of come to an awake. We call we call it an awakening, right? The whole woke movement. A lot of black people were actually learning some history for the first time. You know, we talked about, you know, white people don't know history. There were black people learning some history for the first time and like young black people, and they didn't know how to handle it. And in that emotions, they kind of, you know, a lot of went off the rails because they were just, they didn't know how to handle the reality of some of the bad things that have happened in history, you know? Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're talking about Emmett Till like it happened yesterday because they literally just found out about it. Yep. You know, it's like, no, that's that's not new, guys. But to them, it was a new outrage, you mm-hmm. know? And so, and it, it is because they they didn't know the history. And once we when we know the history, when we grow up learning the history, we can be more mature in how we handle those things, right? Yeah. Um, because we don't have a misunderstanding of history. Yeah. I was talking to... Um, on the flip side of that, I've talked to, I'd say five or so white students um, in 2020 who chose the social justice route because they didn't know the history. Yeah. And that on the flip side, they're like, why didn't anyone teach me black history? Our nation is trying to hide the fact that they are a racist nation. Yeah. And, like, and, because, they, and because they don't know black history, and not just but all of black history, they they found out that bad stuff happened and then they think, oh my goodness, Monique, are you okay? Yes. Like, Monique is fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, look, guys, like, you know, we, we good. Yeah. You know, we, um, we, and it's it, okay. it, it, it a genuine concern, right? It comes yeah. from a genuine heart, but it also comes yes. from just a very ignorant understanding of American history. Um one aspect I think needs to be that people need to understand because it's really important to how we got here today. It's kind of that conflict between Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, oh, right? Within yeah. within the black community, right? Yeah. These two different ideals, these two different paths to how we need to get to where we need to get to. Uh-huh. Um, that, if, when you understand that friction between those two ways, you understand the friction between um the two viewpoints of black Americans today. Yeah. Mm, that's good. That's real good. We maybe we should do a, a whole show on that. We should. That, that yeah. Sure. We'll, we'll put that in the lineup. That's good. All right. We are at our time. This flies by so fast. I guess we're having it fun. It does. Um, what would be your takeaway from our conversation today? If you, wanted, like, if you wanted to, to to leave people, what would the takeaway be that you want to leave them with? 
don't let people push your emotional buttons. Think through things, ask questions, and um, just kind of look into things before you make a determination or pick a, don't pick a side based on your political leanings. I'll say that. Uh, also, that history is important and history needs to be taught and we need to be open to understanding the good, bad, and ugly of history. And uh, I think we're better off for it when we do. That's awesome. That's good. For me, I would say that we don't have to be afraid of history. I tend to say that in the Bible, we see Israel as a prize and we see her as a prostitute. So if you read scripture, you can see Israel described as a prize and we can see her described as a harlot or a prostitute. You were a (laughs) American history is no different. History also highlights our sin nature and we can use Mm -hmm. history um, to our benefit to teach children about the sin nature of man. And we can see the, the times when by God's grace, we do things that are great and we can see our proclivity to sin. And we don't have to shy away from that because truly all people have that within their nature. And so that is what I would say would be my takeaway from that I, I want to leave people with. So Kevin, this has been awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's do it again. I say so. You guys, thanks so much for being with us. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Please check out the Center for Biblical Unity online at centerforbiblicalunity.com. Or join one of our groups on Facebook. We have a group for educators, a Facebook group for homeschooling families, and one for the multi-ethnic family. Um, We also have one for parents of children who have either gone down the woke route, who have deconstructed and left the faith entirely, or who lay more social justice where you can find um, support in that in 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 your day to day operations with your child. Check us out on Instagram. We want to make sure that we are able to resource you and help you along as you navigate the conversations of race, justice and unity. Thank you so much. We will see you in two weeks. Bye.